And so this morning I want to explore a thought with you. And I want to start out by saying that we're going to discuss a very dangerous tendency that each and every one of us share. No one is immune. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is, what your education is, whether you're poor, rich, or middle class. This is a tendency that is common to all humans. And it's so common that really every advertisement, whether it's online, on TV, or on the radio, they all, every advertisement is constructed with the understanding that we all have this tendency to want what we don't have, even if we don't need it. You understand what I'm saying? How many of you ever, you watched a TV advertisement and they get you to want something you didn't even know existed until you saw it? And you don't know why you want it, you don't know you need it, but you got to have it because you don't have it. And so you got to just because you don't have it. That's a human tendency. The tendency is this, to focus on lack. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about how to avoid, why to avoid focusing on what we lack. The word lack, that, the way I'm going to use it today, means to want. To want, to want something and to focus on what you lack or what you want. Go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. This is where we're going to get started. And I want to say this, that the word lack is not a poor man's word. There's a lot of very wealthy people that focus almost exclusively, they're preoccupied with what they want. I want to say it again. It's a human tendency. And those who drive us understand that tendency, which is, again, why they advertise the way they advertise. They don't sell you what you need because you don't really need that much. They sell you what they want you to have because it lines their pocketbooks. But also the, the, the preoccupation with what we lack leads us into all kinds of sorrows, leads us into temptation, it leads us into sin. And if we could learn to change our focus... We could avoid a lot of life sorrows. I submit to you, and I'm going to show you this, that the very first sin of humanity was made possible because Adam and Eve focused on what they lacked. Let's read Genesis 3, verse 3. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the where? Now, let me say this, that I'm one of these people. I believe that everything in the Bible, the Holy Spirit's an amazing teacher. And I believe that everything in the Bible has a purpose and is on purpose and for purpose. And, you know, when you think about the book of Genesis, especially in the story as it relates to the garden, there's a lot of things we don't know. There's details that Holy Spirit didn't tell us. For instance, everyone says that they ate an apple, but that's not stated. Hmm? We're not told what they, we don't know how many apple trees were in there. What was the ratio between apples and oranges? Where was the diameter of the garden? How was the garden laid out? There's a lot of things the Holy Spirit left out of the story that we don't know. But there's a reason, there's a purpose. He tells us of this tree, it was in the middle of the garden. Why would the Holy Spirit leave so many other things out? 
and tell us where the one thing, everyone say one thing, one thing Adam and Eve lacked, where it was located, in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now, here's what the rabbis teach concerning this, and I want you to hear me. They believe that God revealed the location of the one thing they lacked so we would understand that in order to get to or near the one thing they lacked, then no matter which direction they approached it, north, south, east, or west, they had to walk right by everything they had. In other words, they had to walk through abundance to get to the one thing they lacked. <laughs> this is, I'm telling you what. Mm. And the, 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 the rabbis also teach, listen to this, that Adam and Eve made a habit of going to the tree. And gazing at the one thing that they couldn't have. Wondering, I wonder why we can't have that tree. You're, listen. Father, help me to share this the way it's in my heart. Sometimes you can dwell on something so long that when it's actually time to share it, it's like you want to just vomit everything out at one time. Adam and Eve surrounded by abundance and opulence, beauty, had to walk right past everything they could have enjoyed freely without limit and gaze at the one thing that was forbidden to them. And according to the teaching of the rabbis, they did this so habitually that when it came time for the temptation, now hear me when I say this, and I'm going to show you some things in Scripture, the serpent didn't lead them to the tree. The serpent found them at the tree because the serpent knew that's where they were. Now, here's what I want to say to you. And I'm going to show you a verse that's kind of outstanding is sin doesn't have to lead you to the place of sin. It finds you. There's a lot of things that our young people are doing that they wouldn't do if they'd avoid the place it's getting done. Huh? Listen, there are some things I don't struggle with simply because I don't go to the places. It, I tend to go to church, not the bar. So I, my temptation is root beer. Let, let me show you this verse. Is this okay this morning? Hallelujah, Father. Let me show you this. This is printed two sides. Go, go with me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. It says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, listen to this, sin is crouching at the door. Other translations say sin is lying at the door, waiting to pounce. But the imagery is this, sin isn't tracking you, it's waiting on you. Because the enemy observes your habits and knows, here's a place, I'll wait for them to come. And do you, Listen, maybe I'm the only one, I sincerely doubt it, but maybe I'm the only one that's ever done a diet. Am I the only one that's ever done a diet? Do you know where diets fail? At the refrigerator. 
Because when you open the door to the refrigerator and your wife says, what are you looking for? You say, I'm just looking. That's where the diet failed. Because temptation was waiting for you at the door. And it's the same thing as we go through life. Listen, avoiding temptation isn't hard. Just avoid those places. Avoid those people. Because sin, temptation is waiting for you to arrive because the enemy's been watching. And no, you go to websites you ought not to go to. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He just took advantage of what you were already doing. Mm. Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. I want to say again, more often than not, the enemy doesn't lead you. He waits for you. So he waits. Listen, according to the ancient rabbis, he waited at the tree because he knew they'd come. He waited for the man and the woman to come. So when they arrived, he pounced. Go with me to Genesis 3, verse 6. Still talking about not focusing on what we lack. When the woman did what? Where was she? She was at the tree. He didn't guide her. She was at the tree. Now, I want to say it again. In order to get to this tree, which the Holy Spirit told us was in the middle of the garden, they had to walk right by everything they had to get to the one thing that was prohibited. They had to, listen to me, ignore abundance. In order to focus on lack. There's a life lesson in this for you and me. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And that it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate. Now listen to this. And she gave also to her husband who was what? She didn't have to go find him. She didn't go chasing Adam and say, Adam, come on, let me show you. No, he was right there. They both had a habit of standing and looking at what they shouldn't have been looking at. Focusing on the one thing, the only thing that was prohibited from them. They, could, they were preoccupied with what they lacked. And it made the first sin possible. Now, I want to go to the next thing in the... the Subtitle for this is, We Want a King. See, there's a lot of places I could go in the Bible to show you when we ignore abundance and we become preoccupied with lack, it leads us into all kinds of situations. Israel had what no other nation had. Other nations had men who pretended to be gods. Israel actually had God as a king. He had proven to be a benevolent king. He had proven himself to be a good king. He had proven himself to be a generous king. He had proven himself to be a self-sacrificing king. He gave everything for his people and required next to nothing back except their trust and their love. But Israel wanted what they didn't have. Mm. Go with me to 1 Samuel. Chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. The, pe the people became preoccupied 
with what they didn't have. And they said to Samuel, now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. Do you see that? They wanted to be like, listen, it takes courage to be different. I grant you that. When everyone else is cussing, it takes courage to praise. When everyone else is complaining about what they lack, it takes courage to give God praise for what you have. It's easy to be like them, but it ain't wise. Because I want to show you in just a little bit, God really watches and pays attention for gratitude. He wants us to give praise for what we have instead of complaints about what we don't. Because right. let me tell you, no matter how high you go in life, there will always be something you don't have. And when we become preoccupied, we need the bigger, the better, the shinier. We are going to find ourselves in all kinds of places that aren't ordained by God. It's a human tendency, but it's a dangerous tendency to be preoccupied. And focus on lack. Mm. Verse 6. Listen to this. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel. When they said give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel. Listen to the voice of the people. In regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you. But they have rejected me. From being king over them. Say la for just a moment. They fired God. Can you imagine? They fired God. But God said, give them what they want. Listen, there are sometimes you really don't want what you want. And in the denial, God is showing some mercy. We need to learn. Listen, I used to think that being content meant being satisfied. No, we can still have ambitions to grow and to learn and to become more and to have more. But there is a secret in the sauce of contentment. When you're not preoccupied with what you don't have, you're grateful for what you do have. And when you learn to be grateful for what you do have, God will give you more to be grateful for. Hmm. Samuel tried to change their focus. He tried to make them grateful for the kind of king God had been by telling them what a tragedy it would be to have a man as a king. But they wouldn't change their focus. They were focused on what they lacked. Put up on the screen 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. Even after Samuel the prophet tried to change their focus, they said, nevertheless... The people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us. Verse 20, that we also may be like all the nations. That our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. The people wanted a king like all the other nations had. I think they forgot that God had always gone out before him. But they wanted a visible king that they could see on the chariot being pulled by the white horses because that's what they have. Sometimes God went out as a pillar of fire 
or a pillar of smoke, and sometimes he went out as an invisible angel army. But God had always been in front of them. God had always been on the side of them. God had always been behind them. They had so much to be grateful for. But no. The other nations got totem poles. We want a totem pole. The other nations got images. We want images. It's hard to stand out and be so different because we serve a God no one can see. We want to be like other nations because we're focused on what we don't have. And hear me when I say this. When we're focused on what we don't have, it robs us of our ability to praise Him for what we do have. Mm. I, I, I came across, across a quote that I had given. I don't even know what sermon it was a part of. But I thought, I like that. I don't remember saying it, but I must have because it's good. <laughs> and then I said, take praise unto the battlefield. Take praise unto the battlefield. Upstairs, Daisy put a quote. I won't have it exactly. But it says, if the door hasn't opened, praise him in the hallway. I liked it. Mm. The people wanted a king like the other nations had. They weren't content with God to go in front of them. They didn't want a benevolent, kind, generous, invisible king. They wanted a visible flesh and blood king. They wanted what they did not have because they were focused on what they lacked. And we all know what that turned into. God had always been in the blessing business, but they found themselves in some cursed places. Listen to this. Prosperity is a God idea. It's not dreamed up by shysters. Whenever the people were devoted and obedient, they were blessed. Can someone say amen? amen. There, there's a reason why I'm saying that, because as I dwell in this, if we're not careful sometimes when somebody preaches having faith for material things, it's easy to say they're a materialist, but that ain't true. They can be, but not always. Doesn't the Bible teach that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteous way of doing things, then all of these things that the Gentiles seek will be added to you. The Gentiles, listen to me when I tell you this, Gentiles, those who are without God and therefore without hope in the world, they are not seeking the anointing. They're not seeking his presence. I'm searching for a filter right now. So I won't say what I'm going to say. But I'm lacking the filter. I have heard people say, and I know their intent is right. All I need is Jesus. Well, then apparently you know life better than Jesus. Because Jesus said your father knows you need these things. But he said there's another way to get them. Don't try to get them like the Gentiles. Seek first the kingdom. And the things that you have need of. See, because you and I, if you haven't discovered it yet, we got bodies. When it's cold, you know what? We get cold. When it's hot, now you sweat, I perspire. 
We're in the world. And as long as we're in the world, we need things. So it's not an abomination and it's not false doctrine to use your faith as prescribed by the Bible to believe God for the things that you need. So please, once again, don't label every time somebody preaches on things, well, they're just materialistic. Come on. So we need to understand that people misrepresenting the blessing of God is not a new thing. It's as old as the church. It's really as old as Scripture. But I want to show you this verse. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Is this okay? I want to say this as we're going. The curse was never the result of obedience. You know that, right? I want to say that again. The blessing was always reserved for the obedient. The curse was never bestowed upon the obedient. The curse was always reserved for the rebellious. When the people were rebellious, they found themselves under a curse. As long as they were lovingly obedient, they were... The people have always, but listen to this, people have always sought a way to be both rebellious and blessed. But that, listen, just because somebody abuses a truth does not change the truth. It's a reflection of them, not the truth that they're, they're twisting. So Paul had to deal with this all the way back in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 where he said, concerning some men, that they were of a depraved mind and deprived of the truth, who supposed that godliness is a means of great gain. And actually it means a money-making business. Now Paul could have very easily said, but it ain't. If you're godly, you'll be broke. If you're godly, you'll always have lack. I'm still preaching the same sermon. What I'm talking about is you and I will always go through a time of testing, but in the middle of the testing and the trouble, he's a very present help, and we need to learn to give him praise for his help, not for the trial. Verse 6, this is Paul's response to these men of depraved minds and deprived of the truth. Godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied, everyone say it, by contentment. Contentment here is defined as a state of happiness. A state of happiness. When you're content, you are grateful, and God appreciates gratitude. I want to say that again. When you're content, you're grateful. Maybe you're not where you want to be, but maybe you ain't where you used to be. Huh? You might not be living in the high rise, but at least you ain't no longer in the basement. And if you've ever been homeless, a cot is something to give praise for. Y'all listening to me? Hmm. Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 17. We're going to read a few verses here. I want to show you how much God pays attention to gratitude. God treasures gratitude. And chase a little rabbit real quick. But you remember when he, he brought them out of Egypt and he brought them through the desert 
And he said, now when you go into that land that I promised you, you're going to sit on recliners you didn't have to buy. They were already sitting there waiting on you. I, I populated that house you didn't build with lazy boys you didn't buy. And when you're sitting in that house, this is the one thing he said, remember me. He said, when you're drinking that cool cup of lemonade that came from a well that you didn't have to dig, what did he say? Remember me. He's not saying, I don't want you to have the well. I just want you to remember me when you're drinking from the well. That's gratitude. When you're drinking and you're slurping and, man, you got brain freeze because it's cold water on a hot day. Thank you, Jesus. He said, when you go out there and you eat grapes from vineyards, you didn't have to plant. Remember me. And when you look out over the horizon and you see all the business opportunities, it's reflected as ore in mountains. When you see all the opportunities you have for entrepreneurship, remember me. That's all he said. I just don't want you to forget who did it for you. And then we see this story. It's an amazing story in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. While he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten men. Now remember, everything is on purpose for a purpose. Ten men. Everyone say ten. ten. With leprosy who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, now this is an amazing, he never prayed for him. He just said, go show yourself. And as they went, as they went, whatever he says to you, just do it. As they went, they were cleansed. And now one of them. What is one out of ten? A tenth? Shut up. No, I'm going to say it. Everything has a purpose. One, a tenth, returned to show gratitude. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. But Jesus responded, now listen to this, does Jesus pay attention to gratitude? Yes, yes he does. Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine? Where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now listen, one out of ten returned to show gratitude. People want to know 
and I've struggled with this, and I'm not saying this out of the fertile soil of my own mind. I read what scholars say because I want to make sure what I'm sharing with you, others have said, because if I'm the only one who's ever said it, it probably ain't right. But I search and I research and I search again to find out, did anyone ever say this? And, and, and scholars make this clear. They tie this act with the demonstration of the purpose of the tithe. That when we, no matter where we are in life, we turn back and we say, God, here is a tenth of what I have. What we're demonstrating, it's not of the law. It's of gratitude that I know, Father, I, I'm not at the end of my journey. I don't have everything you've promised. I'm not even there yet, but I'm somewhere, and I've made some steps. So here is what I have as an act of gratitude that I'm grateful for you. When we... Uh, I'm struggling trying to find a filter. When we can't show gratitude, by restoring and returning anything back, then we are, by definition, ungrateful. And the reason why we can't is we feel like there's too many things I need. And that's a lack of contentment. A tenth return to show God gratitude. Listen, when you... Mm, I, a filter just found me. When you are discontent, you are unhappy. Because you're focused on what you lack. And you have fallen into the same trap as our parents did. You fall into the same trap that Israel did. We're focused on what we lack. We're preoccupied with the new and not grateful for the used. We, we want to live in a house like they live. We want to drive what they drive. I want their life. When we are not content, we're unhappy. God doesn't want you to live life in misery. But the difference between the happy and the miserable is not where they live. It's what they focus on. I have met people that lived in mansions, and my wife can verify. I've met people that lived in mansions and were miserable. I've met people that lived in shacks that you could see through the floor and through the walls, and they were cheerful. It's not about what you have. And see, when, when, when a message is preached in such a way that what you have reflects who you are, that's wrong. That's wrong. Don't call it prosperity any more than you'd call it faith or grace. It's error. Yes. 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 But when we are grateful for what we have and where we are, then God will give us more to be grateful for because that's who He is. That's who He is. But what He doesn't want us doing is walking right past all that we have. I could praise him for this, but I ain't a gonna. I could praise him for that, but I don't wanna. I could praise him for what he did here, but I ain't a gonna do it. How come I don't have this? 
This is what I want. Watch. And we mumble and we complain about what we don't have. And we think, well, I would never do what an Adam and Eve did. If I had been in the garden, I wouldn't have done what they did. Let's retrace these steps. What about that right there? God do that? Oh, yeah, he did that. But that was six months ago. I done gave him praise for that. Oh. What about when he healed you right here? Mm -hmm. What about when he brought your child home right there? What about when he took you out of government housing and gave you your own home? Maybe it ain't what you dreamed of, but it's a step up. What about when he did that? What about when God got you off your feet and actually gave you a car? Granted, it ain't a brand new car, but baby, it's a car and it runs. What about that? See, you and I, if we'll learn as we journey through our days to quit being preoccupied with what we don't have. And grateful for what we do. And when you look out your front door, it might be a shove vet and not a Corvette, but you ought to give them praise for your vet. If I ain't helping no one else, I'm helping myself. It might not be brand new, but it's new, and I'm going to give them thanks for it. And as we learn to change our focus, then we become a people of contentment. It doesn't mean we're not going to grow. It doesn't mean, in fact, you'll grow faster and you'll move further by learning to give Him praise at every level and being content for what He did than constantly trying to say, well, I don't got this and I want what they have and I want a king like other people. Why can't I have a pastor who knows some filters? Because you're stuck with me. Listen, what we need to do is change our focus. It says this in the book of Proverbs, and then I will close. Don't look to the left or to the right, but let your gaze be straight ahead. Straight ahead. You're pursuing that for which God has apprehended you. And you're grateful for every step along the way. Whether it's big or small or whether anyone else recognizes it at all. We're a people of praise. We're a people who have learned that the blessings of God are to be celebrated. Stand to your feet this morning. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you will. Hallelujah, Father. If I can get our prayer team to come forward. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I beg you, don't go another day without knowing his love. If you're here this morning and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit in the evidence of speaking in tongues, you want that prayer language. He wants you to have it more than you want to have it. Make this your day. If you need prayer for any other reason under heaven, if you just need someone to hold your hand and tell you you're going to make it, his eyes are on you. He sees you right where you are. We want to pray with you because your success is our honor. 
So we're going to raise our hands. We're going to pray. I'm going to encourage you to come forward, and Jackie's going to close us out in a song. But the prayer I want to pray collectively is simple. Say this with me. Father, help me focus. Help me to see all of the good things that you have put into my life. I celebrate good friends. I celebrate good places to live. I celebrate having food to eat. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. And I declare in the name of Jesus, I will and always will be a person of praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.